Uh, change of spirit, a new spirit. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, you know, growing up, my dad, uh, my dad is kind of a musician, and um, he's very, very good at uh, a lot of instruments, most of the guitar and the bass. And growing up in a musical family, my mom and dad both sing. I was on the worship team since I was little, and I played in, you know, the trumpet all through high school, the harmonica since I was eight, you know. And uh, uh, growing up in a musical family, my dad instilled in me appreciation for black gospel music. I really do love, um, I'm as white as white can be, but I really do love black gospel music. And with that, I grew up with an appreciation for soul music. Anybody ever listen to soul music when you're, all right, yeah, okay, very good. Got some Marvin Gaye fans or Al Green or somebody. Uh, And I like uh, black spirituals as well. Uh, Every now and then I have a Pandora account and I've got this, one of these tracks is hardly fine. You can go back and listen to the old uh, black slavery spirituals. I love that. And you know that, uh, why, what is it about that music that, that, I don't know, I think it moves people more than other music, in my opinion. It moves me. And there's something that's a unique rhythm, it's a unique beat, and it kind of gets to, to the place, a deeper place. And that's why they've named it soul music. I joking with John Smith the other day. I was like, trying to get you some soul. You know, we're trying to get in the groove on some of these songs. And... Uh, but, you know, even the word spiritual, when they named the word uh, black spiritual music or African spiritual music, that actually came from Scripture. Uh, from Ephesians, when it said that we are uh, Christians make melody uh, not only in their heart to the Lord, but also they praise Him in spirit. What does that mean? Uh, because uh, I know some people, they're just dry. You know what I mean? Uh, and, but then you, you get some of this music is just boring and dead, and it's like, ugh. But then there's some music that's like, oh, yeah, I like that. Any, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. All right. Uh, but there's something deep about that. And today I want to talk to you about the mystery of the Spirit, something deep, something moving. Uh, and you and I are more than meets the eye. Do you know that? You are more than meets the eye. And we're going to talk about the mystery of the Spirit. And somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're a mystery. You're a mystery. We know we know some of our neighbors are a mystery, <laughs> but you there are four there are multiple levels of you. And you know, if you watch the movie Shrek, uh, uh, you know, he says ogres are like onions. They have layers. And that's true. I think of people. There are different levels of you. And Jesus points this out in Matthew 22, verse 37. Look with me. Reading from the new uh, Amer- oh, sorry, the American Standard, New American Standard Version. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And Luke and Mark will add strength there. And so all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And Deuteronomy is what Jesus is quoting, this great law of God written uh, by Moses many, many years ago before he even said this, that the law had said, you should love the Lord your God with Everything about you, all of you, mind, body, heart, and soul. Or, uh, and, and, and what he's really saying there is you should love the Lord with your whole being or your whole self. That's the word we use today. We talk about self-image or myself or uh, we even have a magazine called Self Magazine. I mean, we, talk th- we use the words today, it's a psychological word from psychology, meaning self, the whole person, the deeper you, the thing that makes you, you, and you can say I and me. And Jesus is saying, you have to, by the law, the law declares, you have got to love the Lord with everything you got. 
Mind, body, heart, and soul. And that's how you have eternal life. That's what leads to eternal life. And Jesus is even saying, but we're going to focus on the spirit today, the soul. How do you love the Lord with all of your soul? How do you love the Lord with all of your soul? Jesus said later on in John, he said, even if you want to worship God, he said, true worshipers worship me in spirit and in truth. Right. And he says such the father is seeking to worship him and God is seeking spiritual worship. Today, I hope at Sanctuary we had some spiritual worship, not just playing some songs, not just singing some music, but something spiritual actually moved you because today you and I have a spirit today. You and I have a soul. And what is that? What is that? You know, you're more than mind. You're more than your mind. You know, you're more than just your thought and your intellect. Some people say uh, we know that depression has a biological cause. But I also know as a pastor and in my almost 10 years of ministry that depression can also be spiritual. We can also be spiritually depressed. Uh, uh, spiritual issues can lead to depression. And not all depression is cured by a pill. Why I believe in taking medicine and I believe in going to the doctor and I believe that some depression is, but not all. Some exist for spiritual reasons. Scripture says your heart, your spirit can be broken. It can be fearful. Your spirit can be troubled. It can be vexed. And even Scripture says that there's a thing called spiritual warfare that affects the mind. So not all problems that you're going to go through are in the mind. Not all things you're going to go through are in your body. The Bible says... Uh, that we can also be physically affected by spiritual reasons. We see multiple cases in the Bible where unclean spirits cause physical infirmity on people. Uh, there is, I, I remember a story a missionary told one time of a lady who could not forgive her sister and was dying of cancer. And the Lord revealed that to the pastor, and the pastor told her, you've got to forgive your sister to live. But she wouldn't, and finally on her deathbed she did, and she was miraculously recovered. Because there are spiritual things that will affect your body. There, you're more than heart. So you're more than mind, you're more than body, you're more than heart. Uh, you're more than your emotions, your passions, your feelings. You know, you can be yourself. You can like what you like to like. You can like deer hunting and shopping and, and you like your passions. But, you know, when a major crisis can come in your life, you can be so troubled that you don't even want to do any of those things anymore. There can get to a deep place. You can get troubled down to your soul or, or, or conflict or emotions uh, that go so far beyond your heart or your emotions or your passions that your life just seems to fall apart. And that's called spiritual trouble. So what am I saying today? That you and I are spiritual beings. And God has promised you and I something spiritual, something, uh, a spiritual change that you and I can be re, uh, renewed to the depths of our spirit and you and I can walk victoriously through sin in this world and he's going to guarantee you a spiritual life to come. I think, just before we even get in, I think we, we, we say, okay, I know about the spirit, Pastor Heath. I know that I'm spiritual. I know there's a soul. We believe in that, especially if you grew up in the Bible, but we've heard these things. But how much of your life is really spiritual? How spiritual are we really? And I'm not saying I want you to think about a demon under every rock or the, the spirit of slap. What, what was that missionary came and talked about that? You know, like things, the, the, the thing it came over me or there's a spirit in every room or whatever. We're not going into mysticism here. But to know that you are more than just your mind, 
You're more than just your body and you're more than just your heart and your emotions. You are a spiritual person. And some of the issues in your life can only be affected and changed through spiritual means. Okay? All right, let's look at this this morning. The mystery of the spirit. Uh, The spirit, the word in the Greek and the Hebrew means wind or breath or spirit. And it's really difficult to define. Simply, it means spirit means something without flesh and bone. It's something. It's a mystery. It's it's the breath. It's the wind. Uh, And God is spirit. Scripture says that God is spirit. God's spirit hovered over the face of the waters. It says that the Holy Spirit filled filled Mary and Jesus was born, that Jesus was moved by the Holy Spirit. And even the Holy Spirit physically descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. God is spirit. Scripture says that angels and demons are spirits, that unclean spirits even possessed and tormented people. So there is a spiritual world out there, even in this county. I tell you right now, since I've been here, just three years I've been here, I have already encountered people with demonic spirits here. I've I've had people come to my office, multiple people, saying that things were flying off the walls in their homes and they needed an answer. I told them the answer is Jesus. Okay? I can't come and and do some water sprinkling. You need some Jesus in your life. That's the answer. Okay? There is a spiritual issue going on in the world today. And so many people are in denial that there is a spiritual world around us. Somebody say amen. Amen. There are spiritual issues. So... Uh, Satan is the ruler of the air. He says it, the scripture says that it works in those. He works in those that are disobedient. It says there is the spirit of the Antichrist in the world today. So there's spirits. And you and I likewise have a spirit and a soul. So God is spirit. Angels and demons are spirit. And you are spirit too. You are spirit too. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that God breathed the breath of life into Adam. And he became a living being. He had the breath, and it was, it was something different about Adam than all the other animals. God spoke the other animals into existence, allowed them to grow and, and to multiply according to their own species. But God breathed into Adam, made him different, that he made him a living being. And uh, Paul even said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, that God breathed into Adam and made him a living soul, and that every child after him would likewise be a living soul. You and I have a spirit or a soul. Uh, in the New Testament, I'll just be honest, you're going to hear some people believe differently about this, but I did, I, I, in my studies, I've really found that the New Testament often uses soul interchangeable with spirit, uh, that they're not different. Uh, basically, it means that you have an inner being or that inner strength of you. The soul, sometimes in Scripture, is used extra to mean a whole person, your whole being. But most of the time, Scripture uses soul and spirit the same, but there's a few verses where they separate them out, and we don't have time to go into all that today. Just to sum it up to say, there is some part of you that is a mystery that only God knows because God made it. And there is some deep part of you, your spirit or your soul, uh, that is not fleshly, that exists beyond death. Uh, And sometimes we use the term ghost today to talk about that thing, That other thing that dead people float. We don't believe in ghosts here at Sanctuary, by the way. You're dead, you're dead, you're gone. If you see a ghost, it's probably called a demon, and you should probably plead the blood of Jesus in your life or your house, right? Okay? All right? Uh, We're not no Ghostbusters up in here. All right? Uh, I like the 80s version. I'm just going to say that, and we're done. Okay. The term ghost. All right. But it's the life force. You know, Psychology Today, I read the other day, Psychology Today uh, in 2011 wrote an article 
And they were talking about the article saying that uh, science has struggled for so long about the rationale of is there something more to you than meets the eye? And they actually wrote in 2011, they said that uh, because of recent uh, studies of the atom and that uh, when you begin to look at some of these particles, it's subjective, that it may be there, it may not, depending on if you're looking at it, and which is weird, and I'm not going to go into all that. But they did all these studies and all this to say that science is debating right now, this decade, that you are more than just you. That because you have self-awareness, that we can say I. And science, and I'll tell you what, uh, took neuroscience in college. They don't have a clue how your brain works. They just know if they poke you long enough or take out a piece, it doesn't work. It's a mystery how your brain works. And, and no computer in the world is like it. But there's even more. that It's more than flesh and blood. They've figured that out, that there's some reason that it's a lie that's living, that you can say, I, that we can paint beautiful pictures, we can write beautiful sonnets, we can think about love and joy and peace, and we can be uh, caring of other people. There's something in you that is not just purely, purely blood and flesh and bone. Amen, right? You're more than that. That's because God has an imprint on you. Science, so they wrote in that article, they said that, that it's possible, we're suggesting that a part, this is in quotes, a part of the mind, the soul, perhaps is immortal and exists at a time and space. That is Psychological Magazine 2011. That they are saying it's possible. Maybe there is a soul. I was like, whew, that's amazing. I went to psych, that's my degree, and none of my teachers, trust me, believed in God, all right? Uh, you know, in Louisiana, this last year, they just came out with a study. Uh, there's a great big antenna in Louisiana, uh, and it was one in California, and they just discovered that um, uh, proving Albert Einstein's theory of black holes, that uh, time and matter and space is all relative, and at the center of the black holes, they have just proven this last year, one of the greatest discoveries, probably going to win the Nobel uh, or some, some great award, that at the center of the black holes, time actually slows down, and it's likely possible that there is no time at the center of a black hole. They've proven it. That's what Albert Einstein... So you know what that means? That there is a... Science is admitting that there is a place of eternity. Okay? There is a place where there is no time. We, we We already knew that, church. We already knew that, right? What that means is that if you believe in there is an eternity, that there is something more than just this physical world. There's something beyond the time and space and the physical things that we see today. And so Scripture is declaring this today, that there is an immortal part of you and a breath that comes from God. Scripture says that you are united in one being. Even though there is an immortal part of you, it's united with your mind, your body, and your soul. And it says in Scripture that you can rejoice and be sorrowful from your soul. And you know, it's not just your mind. From your soul. You can have understanding in your spirit. Scripture says you can be angry in spirit. You can perceive things in your spirit. Those of you who've ever had the gift of discernment, God's come over you and you've just known things without really having a reason to know them. That's your spirit. It's something unique. And you try to explain that to somebody on the street, they're going to think you're crazy. You hear voices or something. But a Christian believer knows. Sometimes you can walk into a room and feel something. You can walk into a place, you know God's there. You can go in another place, you know for sure He's not there. Right? You can uh, feel things. And the spirit, is, the spirit is real. You can have a willing spirit or a stubborn spirit, the Bible says. A prideful or a broken spirit, Scripture says. 
And it says, sorry, Scripture declares that when God takes the spirit from your body, there's physical death. There, you know, Wayne, Wayne Chapman's not here, but I'm sure he could tell you there is a time, even though the body is dead, there's something still there. But then when the spirit leaves, then there's nothing. That's, that's the way God works. Uh, there's a spiritual part of you. And the Scripture declares there will either be eternal rest or eternal death for your soul, your spirit. Unfortunately, every person in this world is born dead in spirit. We're dead in our sin, Scripture says. Dead in our spirit. Unfortunately, after the fall of Adam, the Bible says that every person has a fallen soul, that we are dead in our sins. And what does that mean? It means without a change, there's a part of you, whether you're aware of it or not, there is a part of you that is headed for an eternal destruction, eternal pain and suffering more than any word could ever understand. That's the eternity that awaits for all of us without a change. Unless every single one of us have a spirit of, inside of us, unless our spirit is regenerated, renewed, reborn, we're going to suffer a fate too horrible to imagine. That's the eternity that waits for us. But Scripture says the natural man and ourselves won't accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to them. It says in Scripture that our spirits in their current condition are this. And I'm just giving you a list of what I've researched. The spirit in its current condition is stubborn, obstinate, arrogant, irreverent, immoral, ungodly, wicked, unholy, greedy, and remorseless. You're like, I don't have any control over that, right? You're like... Even if you got your, your hair prettied up and you got your heart acting right and your mind thinking right and you went to church every day, your spirit is still wrong. That's why so many people come to church for years and still go to hell. Because you can try to get your body in the house of God. You can try to get your mind in the Word of God. You can get your tongue to talk right, your, your, everything to look right. But your spirit is still going to be greedy, uh, unwilling, stubborn, unholy, and wicked before God on that great and awful day, on Judgment Day. There's something a part of you that you can't fix, church. There's something a part of your life that you really have to give over to God because you and I need a change. And that's what we're talking about today. The change. Without a change. The solution, though, is what we call a broken spirit. Bible says that the Word of God cuts down to the depths, even splitting the spirit and the soul, splitting the depth of you is what that really would mean in the Greek, that even the, the depth of you is split into that the Word of God makes everything exposed and, and shows you that even to your core, you're not right with God. Even if you fixed everything on the outside, deep within, you know that you don't think right, you don't feel right, you don't act right, that you and yourself are not right with God. But God in His grace... It's promised us this great change. I love what David wrote in Psalms 51. Probably one of the, my favorite psalm. Psalms 51, verse 10, he says, I think we have it on the screen. Create in me a clean heart, O God. That's the heart part. And renew a what? Steadfast spirit. Even David knew. It was more than just his heart that was wrong. That his spirit, something deep within, a mystery to him, even he didn't have it all figured out, to say that, God, there's something inside of me that I can't even handle. Even if I took enough depression pills, God, it wouldn't fix what I've got going on in my life. There's a spiritual problem. He says, God, I need you to fix my spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from a separate spirit. 
He says, God, my spirit needs your Holy Spirit to come inside of me and fix me to the depths of me. And he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me. Make my spirit willing with a willing spirit. God, I need your Holy Spirit. God, I'm messed up. Can we all say that? I am messed up. We are. That's the fall. We have to admit that and say, God, I need you. Because today, church, I'm going to tell you something. Repentance is spiritual. It's more than a raising of a hand. It's more than coming to the front and praying a prayer. It's more than going to church. It's God has got to do a work in you from the depths of your core, of your being. And you have to allow Him to do that. Now, let me show you what that talks about. Jesus talked about the change being called something. We say it, a Baptist uses it the best. They're probably the best ones that use this term, born again. And, and Billy Graham really talked about that a lot. And born of the Spirit, and it's this great promise. Look, uh, if you've got your Bibles, look with me in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I think we have it on the screen as well. But this great promise. Okay, so man, I'm broken. I, I, need a, I, realize, I have to admit to myself, yeah, I've got a broken problem. I'm, I'm a broken spirit. God, I, I need you. And so what's the solution? In Ezekiel, God had been foretold. And this is the God of eternity, the God of spirit. And this God of eternity, who knows that eternity is real, spoke out of eternity into Ezekiel for a day that he would see ahead. And so Ezekiel began to prophesy about a coming day of the Messiah. And he said in Ezekiel 36, he said, Moreover, I'll give you a new heart, there's that heart part, and put a new spirit within you, and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh, give you a heart of flesh. Basically saying, I'll give you a heart like mine. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinance, my law. God so loved the world that He was willing to fix us to the very core. When you couldn't fix yourself, God's Spirit, God said, how am I going to get them to love me with all of their heart, mind, soul, and spirit? How can they love me? Because the law declares, hey, that's how you have to love God. But let me tell you, church, you can't. You are going to fail time and again if you try to love God with everything you've got. And so He says... How can I do this? God spoke out of eternity and prophesied to Ezekiel. And he said, here's how we're going to do it. When you begin to seek after me for a new heart, new spirit, I'm going to begin to change your mind, body, heart. But I'm also going to change you in soul. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to put, I've already breathed life, your living soul. But I'm going to put my very Holy Spirit also inside of you. And He is going to begin to change you from the inside out. Not just your mind, not just your tongue, not just the way you live, but to your very nature and core, to the mystery of all that is you. And when you say, I, my name is Heath, that He will even begin to change that. I tell you what, when I got saved, I got saved as a young person, very, very young. I can't remember because I was probably playing Hot Wheels under the... uh, Every Sunday you got saved when I was in kids' church because we had to sing one of those... Father Abraham's songs. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Come Into My Heart. Come Into My Heart. Um, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And we'd turn around. And all the kids' church would come up here to the front. We'd all bow down. And we'd say the Lord's Prayer or the Sinner's Prayer every Sunday. So I probably got saved about a thousand times before I was eight. And so uh, I don't... But there was a moment in my life as a uh, young person. I really, uh, as, as a teenager, began to give my life over to God. And God began to kill and cru- I began to crucify with God that old man and it, when there came a moment in my life I realized Heath Harris is is gone I don't I don't know that that kid who was angry and and negative and sarcastic and bitter and judgmental 
I don't know him anymore. Yeah, still, he tries to come up and rear his ugly head every now and then. But you just, it's like that whack-a-mole thing. You just keep, keep hitting him, you know, uh, and you keep putting that thing back. But there's got to be a newness in us, church. There's got to be something you say, I am not what I once was, right? That that, that person is dying or dead. And, and so Ezekiel's like, there's going to come a time when you give your life over to God and He's going to put this divine nature in you. And He's going to actually make it possible to love God with your spirit, to love God with all you have. And how is that? So that, first, that verse I said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, God breathed into Adam. And God made Adam a living soul. But then he says, thanks be God sent Jesus Christ. And God made Jesus Christ a living spirit for you and me. And so here's what happens. Jesus comes and undoes, Romans chapter 5, does undoes all that Adam did. And all that fallen soul, Jesus comes and he says, I'm breathing the Holy Spirit into my church, into my people. And now every single person who believes in me can have a willing and steadfast spirit that I, Holy Spirit, from the depths of me, or from the depths of God, is going to go in the depths of you. And this is an awesome mystery that you and I can be what we call born again, the change. That when Adam's soul brought us all death, spiritual death, Jesus Christ for you and I became this life-giving Spirit. Look with me in John chapter 3, verse 5. I cannot explain to you what it really means to be saved any better than Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ gave it to us in a mystery. John chapter 3. We read this a lot. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and the Spirit, born of the Spirit is spirit. And don't be amazed, I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but uh, you do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is talking to a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is one of the top religious elite leader of the temple. And Nicodemus was struggling with what he had heard from Christ. And a man who should have had it all figured out comes to Jesus and, and Jesus is like, I'm trying to tell you a mystery And the best way I know to tell you, it's like being born again. It's like the wind blowing through you. And if Jesus can't explain it any better than that, I'm not even going to try to explain it any better than that. That Because you won't understand it. The natural man can't comprehend it. You have to experience it to understand. And he says, you've got to be revived, renewed, regenerated to love God and to be able to love God with all of your spirit. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, that we, in fact, become one spirit with the Lord. It's getting to a point in our life where the Holy Spirit actually changes you. When the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, the Bible says uh, he prophesied, and he actually was changed into a different person. Now, he didn't, if you know the story of Saul, he didn't stay there. He left, walked away from the Spirit of God. But there's something wonderful, mysterious happens when you allow the Spirit of God to begin to change you. And it's not just going to happen overnight. A lot of it will, I hope, and instantaneously God's going to begin to work on you. But it's this heavenly mindset, this, this new relationship you get with Him. I'll tell you what it's not, though. It's not improving your behavior. It's not thinking better. It's not controlling your emotions. Those are all cosmetics. For instance, if I gave Brent Humphreys a baby doll right here and it looked very real, you know, uh, and it had the right makeup, and it had the clothes, and you know they got that ones now that like cry, and they even pee now, you know, and 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 all this kind of stuff, right? 
it's still not real. Now, how much computer chips are in it, know how much we paint it, know how much it cries, and, 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 and you know, you got all those things. That, it's still not real. You can put all of the cosmetics on a Christian. You can paint a Christian up to look like it. You can program them to cry and wail at the Holy Spirit moving in the church. You can get them to go down to the altar and pray for a few minutes and, and have your eyes closed and you're really doing this, watching who's getting up last and first. And what we do when you're growing up, you go down to the altar, you're like, who's, am I the last one here? You know, we're so worried about all that, right? You can do all of that. We can get that Christian to cry and scream and, and do whatever they got to do, but it doesn't make them alive because they're not born again. Are you alive today? It's a noticeable change. You know, Moses noticed the Spirit on him. David noticed the Spirit on him. Peter noticed it. Paul noticed the radical change in his life. And you and I should know that we know that we know I'm alive. So many people doubt their salvation. And some of that's because a religion has taught them wrong things and they, they feel like God's just beating them over the head and He may take His salvation from them at any moment. I don't believe that. But you should know that you know that God's in your life. And you should be confident in that. Romans says it this way in, in chapter 8, that the Holy Spirit testifies Himself with your spirit that you are God's children. It's not just a mental thing, church. It's not just an emotional thing that God's testifying to you should get to the point in your life where no one could convince you you're not saved. Okay? Now, that's aligned with the Word of God. I mean, that's lining your life up with the Word of God. And there's a lot of false errancy and, and cult, cults you can get a part of now. But it's saying that the Holy Spirit Himself not just testifies to your mind or your body or your heart, but to the depths of your spirit. The Holy Spirit is in and with your spirit. That there's a spiritual relationship you have with the Holy Spirit. That I mean, how many of you could say, I, no, no, I'm not raising hands, I know that I know that I know God is activated in my life. I feel Him. I, I sense Him. I, I, I love Him. There, there's a, a depth in me that I'm just like, man, there, it's like the wind blowing through me. It's like this born again that I'm not what I was, but I know that I know that I know God is in me and I'm in God. Even Paul says that it's like your spirit becomes adopted and your spirit even has the spirit of adoption. I give it, give it an example this way. How do you know? Like, what is this spiritual life? I don't want to go too long here. The spiritual life. I'll give you two examples real quick before I close. I, I remember Gary Phillips. He's a pastor in Louisiana. Told me the story. Told us the story one time growing up. Uh, he said there was his, his cousin was changing a flat tire uh, in the dark on a, a I think it was Louisiana highway and a car passing by because the headlights didn't see him and, and hit him and killed him. But he wasn't fully dead yet. And they called the helicopter to come and, and airlift him. And the paramedics told the story that while he was gone, like he was going to die, they knew that was probably going to happen. And it, he later did. But along the way, on the gurney and into the helicopter, all his body could do was speak in tongues. I've never forgot that. That you and I are more... That what comes out of us, there's something spiritual in us that when the body's even gone, the spirit continued to pray. When the mind was gone, the spirit continued to pray. I'll give you another story. Uh, Scott, um, 
Martin, director of Chi Alpha, told the story to us uh, of, of his, one of his close friends who got Alzheimer's disease and, and uh, he began to uh, go deteriorate and they would uh, come into his nursing home room and he wouldn't know who anybody was and, and it got to the point where he couldn't even function. But the nurses would come into his room and they would come in to this almost lifeless body that was speaking in tongues. All he could do was pray in tongues. I couldn't even pray in English anymore. But that the Spirit of God was still activated in his life and in his spirit, that he was spiritual. Now, isn't that awesome? You're more than meets the eye. You're spiritual. And the Holy Spirit has to be activated in your spirit. And that there's a life in the Spirit. And Paul talks about it uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says... Guys, you know, you're going to struggle against the flesh and the spirit. You know, your flesh is going to still have an urge to sin. And the flesh is weak when it comes to spiritual things. But you guys should know, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh. And if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap the spirit. If, you're, if you're, your personal spirit is all about pleasing the flesh, and that's what you're going to get out of life. And there's going to be eternity where there's going to be no hope for you. And it's going to be a horrible destiny. But if your spirit begins to sow and produce things through the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is going to begin to pour into you. And you're going to begin to sense a life-giving change in your, in, your, in your inner being. And he says it this way. The best way he could turn to describe this great mystery of being a Christian, he said, you must live in and walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let you walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Walk in the Spirit. It means that your life is not just physical. It's spiritual too. And so when you go about your day, you should be conscious of the things of God, the Spirit of God in your life and in your spirit. And what you watch on TV doesn't just affect your mind, it affects your spirit. And what comes out of your mouth doesn't just come out of your mouth, it's from your spirit and your heart. And there are spiritual things that you're going to have to take care of in your life. And the only way to do that is to continue to walk in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. That the Holy Spirit of God begins to come down and get activated and walk and teach and lead your spirit into a place that only God can explain. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. And the best way to think about it is this. I'm going to close. In the garden, when God breathed life and made Adam a life-giving, a life uh, a living soul. What did it say that they did? It said they would, in the evenings, the afternoons, the cool of the day, they would walk together. Adam was able in that moment to love God with all of his heart, all of his mind, or all of his mind, all of his heart, all of his body, all of his soul. There was nothing between them. And God and him began to walk. The Spirit of God began to walk with the Spirit of Adam. And they had this awesome relationship. Nothing hidden, nothing secret. They are walking step in step, enjoying the company of one another. That's what God has enabled you and I to do again through Jesus Christ. He's made it all new again. And one day we're going to get a new body, and that body will match what our spirit is, is with the Holy Spirit. But do you have a relationship with God where your spirit is walking with God's spirit? And God's spirit is leading you, guiding you, teaching you and ministering to you, not just in their mind, not just in your heart, not just trying to fix your body, 
but He's ministering to you in the depths of your spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Uh, Stacy, would you come back?